Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast Network. Craig Schaub here with Bob Garver. And if Bob Garver is here, that means we're talking movies after a week off. I missed you, Bob. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing okay. Um, yep, ready to uh, get back into the swing of things with West Side Story. Yeah, it was a strange week, uh, early December window. I guess uh, no one wanted to release anything after the Thanksgiving holiday, but we're more than making up for it now as we have some big releases like West Side Story, you said, and we're going to talk first about that. Now, it was a disappointment at the box office with just under $11 million. However, this is Steven Spielberg. You got to at least give it some credit. Bob, tell us a little bit about West Side Story. What are your thoughts? All right. Well, I'm um, not sure how familiar everybody is with the story. Uh, basically, it's a um, it's a uh, 60s retelling of Romeo and Juliet about uh, two warring street gangs, the Caucasian Jets and the Puerto Rican Sharks. Um, the um, the former leader of the Jets, Tony, played by Ansel Elgort, falls in love with the sister, Maria, of leader of the sharks uh played by rachel zegler uh and the two fall in love despite their conflicting affiliations and uh that leads to problems for both the couple and the uh the warring street gangs well this is a you know debut here for rachel zegler um how does she handle the the material obviously she's not plucked from obscurity but this is her first major film role and steven spielberg taps her to be um, a lead in West Side Story, working from him as Maria. How did she handle this material? Is she uh, does she give this Oscar caliber performance that some people are saying? Yes, she gives an Oscar caliber performance. Um, Mike Faced, who plays the leader of the Jets, um, other than than former leader Tony, um, he gives I think a performance that'll be recognized. Um, Anita. Debose, I, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, mm-hmm. uh, as the girlfriend of of uh, Maria's brother. Uh, she gives an Oscar caliber performance, and even a returning Rita Moreno, yeah, uh, who won an Oscar mm-hmm. for playing Anita in the original, uh, is back as a as the um, the overseer of uh, of Tony because he's on uh, parole. But, well, and I saw that you mentioned this on Facebook. You talked about uh, if Ariana DeVos were to win an Oscar, uh, that you would love to see uh, Rita Moreno give her that Oscar, uh, as opposed to Manuel, uh, maybe Daniel Kaluuya, who won, of course, and usually the Academy, the winners give the next year's winners their awards and their categories. Uh, how, how fun was it to see Rita Moreno back? Obviously, you know, it probably oh, she, brought back some memories that you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, it sounds like you uh, you you were interested and, and you like this movie. Uh, you know, Spielberg making his first musical and, you know, at 74, it doesn't seem like he's slowing down. Um, how do you think Steven Spielberg handled the, uh, the musical element of things? Because we have seen great directors behind the chair before maybe struggle a little bit making musicals. I think of Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys maybe as an example of that. But how do you think Clint Eastwood handles the material here with a musical? Spielberg, uh, he handles the material uh, wonderfully. If you didn't know any better, you'd think he was, he'd was he been directing musicals for his entire career. Uh, the only thing 
he maybe does wrong is uh, he maybe lets some of the actors or uh, some of the scenes go on a little too long, especially toward the end. Some of the songs seem to be uh, milked a little bit longer than they should. Um, maybe maybe the emphasis should be a little bit more on making them seem effortless instead of, um, you know, the results of, of great amounts of labor. But uh, yeah, still still lots of great songs. Uh, the uh, screenplay given a nice little punch up by uh, Tony Kushner, yeah. one of the great playwrights and screenwriters of our time. Um, it got me. It got me thinking. You know, I like um, I like any um, uh, Debose in the uh, Ariana Debose in this movie as Anita. And I like Rita Marino in this movie. And a lot of people are talking about an Oscar for her. Mm. And I have to wonder what's going to happen if both of them get nominated. <laughs> yeah. Are, are they, will they go with the, um, you know, the vaunted legend in, in Marino for an Oscar? Will they uh, do a torch passing moment to, to DeBose? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, it's, that's, that's that's an interesting possibility yeah. um, that I'd like to see come Oscar time. Well, a good conundrum to have, obviously. It, well, and, you know, West Side Story was among the big the big leaders in the clubhouse here, going into the Critics Choice Awards. Likely, probably going to see that here with the Oscars. I can imagine. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but this is probably going to be in that near double digit or over double digit range of Oscar nominations, given all the things we could see nominations for best picture director actor actress and supporting roles probably some of the technical categories cinematography yeah um is that do you think that's where it's trending where we're going to see uh, a slew of oscars come uh, you know come award season i do i think i think uh i think you're definitely looking at a best picture and several acting awards and several technical awards for this film um i don't think it's going to be a contender though for best actor i think okay. um a lot of people are, are kind of pointing toward ansel elgort as kind of the one thing that doesn't work about this movie right um i think it has a lot to do with the way he looks uh he seems to have access to a personal trainer um and it's distracting among all these people who um you know play members of his gang especially mike faced who who looks practically malnourished in, right. in uh, inconsistency with his character's rough upbringing, and then you got this totally ripped, totally chiseled Hansel <laughs> Elgort, right. who's, if ever the word too good looking was applicable, this might be it. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, it sounds like West Side Story hit many marks for you. What's your final grade on the movie? A B. Okay. All right. Yeah, I really, really like this one. Definitely, um, definitely go out of your way to check this one out before the blockbusters hit um, yeah. next week. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's been a, a, a pretty good year for musicals within the Heights. I really enjoyed In the Heights. Uh, I know you did as well. And, and here with West Side Story. Yeah, I, I really liked In the Heights. I'd probably, I'd probably be quicker to give Best Picture to In the Heights than West Side Story, but West Side Story is is very close to it. Yeah. Definitely a little bit more of an Oscar bait. Late late year release, Steven Spielberg yeah. behind the camera. Probably that probably a little more probably a little more likely to pick up the Oscars if we're right. up to me, they'd, they'd lean a little more toward in the heights, but I won't be mad if they sure. if they reward West Side Story heavily. Absolutely. 
Well, switching gears a little bit here, we uh, we have a, uh, a football movie, a sports film. We just talked a little bit about sports films uh, last a uh, couple weeks ago, I should say. Uh, this time around, we have National Champions. So uh, if you're a, a college football fan or a you know, college sports fan in general, um, you know that there's a lot of arguments going back and forth about whether or not college athletes should be able to profit off of their names. There have been some. There has been some movement in that with uh, being able to send, uh, sign on and and make some money off of your likeness or sell advertising or whatever you want to do as a college athlete. Uh, but national champions with a pretty interesting cast here: J.K. Uh, J.K. Simmons and Christian Chenoweth, Alexander Ludwig. They all star in this football uh, film about a quarterback who ignites a player strike hours before a championship game. Um, in regards to their uh, their rights as student athletes to maybe make money and, and earn a living while still playing college sports, Bob, tell us a little bit about National Champions. Well, um, you know, it's it's a movie about uh, the personalities in among college football, not just the players and the coaches, but also um, league officials hmm. and uh, and people who do profit off of off of this thing and um you know they're all warring with each other over whether players should be compensated whether the game should be played and, and a bunch of other issues um it's um it's a very debate heavy movie uh i uh, would compare it to something maybe from like an aaron sorkin okay where, uh, where where the tempers are are heated uh but there's not that much uh not that much action uh there's not even any uh, playing of, of football, really, at all. Uh, okay. we, we see them running a drill or two, but not uh, not playing. But uh, for us, so for, it, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, go, I'll finish your thought there. I'm sorry. It basically, um, I mean, it's it starts off as this, um, you know, well-reasoned debate, but it, it uh, devolves into basically just a, a big fight over who can out-blackmail, which side can out-blackmail right. the other side. Well, it sounds like it's sort of an interesting premise, and you know, you you mentioned Aaron Sorkin, like, and you know, that sometimes is a very high compliment, especially with Sorkin's writing. Although some people, um, you know, especially with Sorkin as a writer director, will maybe argue it's a little too talky in his films, not enough action. How does National Champions uh, does it succeed? Does it execute well? You know, is this worth our is it worth our time? There's there's an expression um, that I've heard used a lot lately um, that I think applies here. This is the kind of movie where if it only works ninety eight percent well, um, it, it still doesn't work. Okay. And this movie is at a solid ninety eight percent. It for the, for a concept like this to work, it has to be pulled off better than it is and even though it's pulled off rather well it's it's still just not worth not worth getting excited about i'm sorry even though even though everybody's trying really hard yeah well and it, it kind of seems too. i know we're in the midst of football season but it does kind of seem like a december release is a little strange too like you kind of think that maybe they're positioning it for 
whether it be box office or awards or whatever it may be. And it's just one of those movies. It's that not going to succeed on either of those levels. Right. Seems like it might've been better off as like an August or a September release instead of a December. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe they think the box office will, will give it a chance, but uh, it doesn't seem like it based on what we've seen so far. But uh, what's your final grade for national champions? B minus. I didn't, I didn't dislike this movie. Right. It does a lot of things, right. It just, it just can't, can't get into that upper level that that it needs to for it to truly succeed right okay well speaking of hopeful upper upper levels here uh our last here's, film yeah here's a movie that is that is succeeding in the upper levels yes uh critically uh we um remains to be seen how it's going to perform commercially but it's probably going to perform well once it gets to a wide release uh come christmas and that's licorice pizza yeah and this is a movie I'm very excited about. I love Paul Thomas Anderson. And, you know, obviously every time he's he's one of those filmmakers, even though he's not on that popularity level of a Scorsese or Spielberg like we talked about here earlier today. Um, but I really am always excited for Paul Thomas Anderson films to release. He's always got sort of this, I, I guess I would almost kind of think of him as like a more controlled Wes Anderson where he's got a little bit of quirkiness to him, but it's done in more of a commercial controlled way where you can digest it a little bit easier and it's not too quirky. It's not too strange. It fits in the reality of the world. And here with Licorice Pizza, I'm very excited. Um, Tell us a little bit about the film and what your thoughts were on it. Well, uh, you know, it's easy to get swept up with these characters. And the thing is, it's, it's not the kind of narrative that, lends itself to an easy description. It's just, it's just, you know, some chapters in the lives of these characters, not even the highs and high and low points necessarily. Right. Just, just, just little vignettes about little slices of their lives. Um, this, uh, car- this uh, teenage kid played by Cooper Hoffman meets a photographer's assistant played by Alana Hyam. And, you know, the movie is about their relationship over the next 10 years or so. Yeah, and that seems like a sort of maybe a classic uh, Paul Thomas Anderson style. I mean, especially I think of like Magnolia as sort of being, like you said, sort of these, you know, chapter just kind of like drop into the life of people. Drop in. Yeah, that's a good good one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, obviously, you know, Anderson's a skilled writer, probably, you know, maybe not a shoe in, but maybe a near lock for like a screenplay award here at the Academy Awards. But um, does does Licorice Pizza sort of meet those Paul Thomas Anderson standards, and is it going to be maybe an awards contender? Do you think? Definitely, yeah. These are these are very compelling characters who have very compelling conversations. I would not be shocked if if the Academy goes with a movie for Best Picture, where the director has won, and I'm thinking of, of West Side Story and Spielberg, right? Where if the director has won the Oscars several times and they feel the need to spread the wealth and, and like not give Spielberg, for example, another best director Oscar, they might want to give picture and director to different movies. And in that case, I could see Paul Thomas Anderson getting in for best director here. I think he, I think he will be nominated and I think I could see him winning, even if this movie doesn't win best picture. 
do you think a lot of you know obviously the Oscars over the years have have been you know criticized for you know we we award movies to movies that most of the American public maybe has not seen. Obviously, Licorice Pizza is not one of those movies that's going to be a hundred million dollar winner at the box office. You know, not even West Side Story will either, though. Probably in all light, unless it has just an incredible you know second, third, fourth weekend, but. Do you feel like Licorice Pizza is going to be commercial enough, I guess, for the Academy to say, yeah, we're going to honor that. We're going to give not just a, a you know, nominate it, but we're going to give the awards to Paul Thomas. I mean, he's been nominated eight times and has not won an Oscar, which seems kind of criminal to me. But, um, you know, obviously Phantom Thread, he kind of broke through, I think, some Academy voters, you know, standards and and really showed them that. He's just a great filmmaker and not just a quirky kind of, you know, filmmaker or makes these odd, you know, non-commercial films. But, you know, do you, do you think that this movie is going to be popular enough? I guess I hate to say that because I don't care about whether a movie's popular enough. But do you think it's going to have sort of that popularity contest type where the Academy is going to say, yeah, we'll vote for it, but we'll also award that film, you know, an award of some sort? Well, its commercial performance is going to be based on its award buzz, right? Uh, because, yeah, yeah, the award the awards are going to come first, and then, you know, once it starts winning smaller awards, which it will, once it starts winning these smaller awards, then people are going to want to see it, and its commercial performance will be based on that, and that may lead to it performing well enough to earn an Oscar, right? Well enough, well enough to uh, get the the sort of widespread acclaim and support that it would need to win an Oscar. Right. Well, and unfortunately, I don't know if you saw it, and it's only been in, in since it's November 26th release, it's only been in four theaters. So, Bob, you're you're like one of the rare people that have actually been able to see this film without giving... Yeah, it's, it getting, it's getting a wide release Christmas Day. But I don't know if you saw, it was initially scheduled for a 2000 theatrical release Christmas Day, and it has since been bumped down to 800 theaters, which still is better, but... I don't think, you know, small town Ohioans like myself will be able to see this new movie. If it had been on 2000 screens, probably at least would have come within the area. But I'm a little disappointed to see that it's not going to get the extra wide release that it was promised on Christmas Day. Now, hopefully they're doing that in regards to awards buzz where they're going to go with 800 on Christmas. And then maybe once the new year hits, then you'll see probably an expansion to the two 2500 screens or whatever. But is it disappointing? I mean, when a movie like that, obviously it's probably not going to be a huge Christmas Day movie, but is it disappointing that it's not getting a wider release? I mean, do you think that this is a good strategy to maybe slow down the release a little bit and wait for the awards to come? Not really. I'm, this is the first I'm hearing of its, yeah. of its uh, wide release being scaled back. But uh, yeah, no, it's a shame because I'd like more people to see this movie. Yeah. Well, and obviously, you know, with only four theaters right now and if it's an ex expansion to Christmas Day, you know, you're going to be going up against a lot of, you know, contenders with Spider-Man still being in theaters. The Matrix Resurrection will, will be in theaters at that point as well. So probably going to get squeezed out of the box office anyway. But when I heard that, I was a little disappointed because I was thinking I'm going to get to see a Paul Thomas Anderson movie a little sooner than normal. Unfortunately, doesn't sound like it here. But what is your final grade here for Licorice Pizza? I'm giving it a B, same as West Side Story. I think uh, I think you're looking at a Best Picture nominee, Best Director nominee, maybe maybe uh, maybe throw some acting nominations in there, screenplay. 
but uh, yeah, no, this is this is this movie is going to expand. Um, I, 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 you know, was hoping it would expand more, but right, but um, you know, hopefully, haven't. Uh, hopefully, it'll expand beyond just the eight hundred that uh, that it's currently scheduled for. Right, definitely. All right, Bob. Well, I definitely appreciate you stopping by. As always, what do you have coming up next week? I think we have another big release that some people have heard of. <laughs> Spider-Man: No Way Home next week. Um, there's also <laughs> the opening of uh, Nightmare Alley. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get to that one. Okay. Um, and I might uh, might be checking out something on Netflix, something like uh, The Way of the Dog, since uh, since that is getting a bunch of early awards nominations. I might want to jump on that one uh, in time for next week. Yeah. Well, we hopefully, you don't, hopefully you don't have to pay $25,000 for a ticket for Spider-Man, because I know that uh, some people are scalping them on eBay and, and other various sites to try to... Oh, I barely, I, bar I barely got a ticket about a week yeah. ago. Wow. Are you surprised by that? I mean, you know, I know, I know, Spider Man's a, you know, this is kind of the biggest blockbuster perhaps of the year. But are you kind of surprised that you know there's such a furious activity to, to get these tickets for Spider Man No Way Home? Yeah, I didn't think theatrical movies were uh, were, were having this kind of audience, right? Uh, in era. Yeah, but I'm glad I'm glad they are. The box office could could certainly use they, it. Certainly needs a bump and. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things, though, about the Spider-Man issue is some of those people that go to the box office that night might end up having to go to other movies like a West Side Story. So you may see a bump in ticket sales next, you know, this coming week here for some of those other movies that may get some of the Spider-Man runover because they can't see Spider-Man. It's sold out or whatever or something like that. So it's possible that you may see a bump for other movies at the box office because of Spider-Man's popularity. Well, I wouldn't be happy about the way it gets business, but I, I'll certainly be happy about the business. Absolutely. All right. Well, Bob, we definitely appreciate your time. We're glad you didn't have to spend $25,000 for a ticket for Spider-Man. We'll talk that next week. We will see you next week more with Talking Movies with Bob Garber. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you very much. This is the highlight of my week. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.